every year, before we get into the new year, I pray, seek God for what he's saying to us as a church so we can focus on God. And um, September, October is the time every year I start seeking God for the next year that we are entering into as a church. Because God, I believe that we've got to have a vision. Where there is no vision, people perish. Amen. Vision is not, I don't want to run an organization. I want to run an army of God that is ready to fight the battle. Amen. So, so when I prayed uh, last year, I felt God say, it's Jesus to our 2020. He is our perfect vision. Amen. And I had no clue, neither did you, that COVID-19 would arrive. So when we launched 2020 and I said, Jesus is our perfect vision, and then 2020 happens, and I tell you, I think as a nation, we pride on our cleanliness, on our green and clean nation. We pride ourselves of beautiful nation, which we are, praise God, amen. Somehow, because we are an island nation, no matter what happens to the world, we are, in most cases, we are quite safe. But we thought when COVID was sort of, when you heard about COVID around this time last year, we thought it would never happen to us. You know, we never heard of anything called shutting the doors down and locking, uh, locking our uh, lockdowns. We never co comprehended those. But it just showed how vulnerable everyone is in this world. How vulnerable we are to an attack of a virus. That the whole world went into a lockdown. I just heard this morning, uh, forgot from whom, but um, apparently England's going into lockdown again. And uh, so it just shows how, how uh, um, uh, 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 what do you call, fragile our nations are right now. But I want to say this to you, it doesn't matter what was happening in this world, Jesus is our 2020. Amen. You and I are called to seek his face. Matthew 3.33 says, 3.33. No, 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. You know, we've got to keep our eyes on God. Seek God first. Keep your eyes on him. Psalmist says, I look to the helps to see where my help comes from. My help comes from what? From the hills? No. Even though you may sing, the hills are alive with the sound of music. We may sing, because we like that kind of fairy tale life, but we don't look to the government, amen. The Bible teaches me in the hills is the kingdoms. We don't look to kingdoms, we look to one kingdom, that's the kingdom of God. He is in control. He is our 2020. Hallelujah. Are you excited? So this next year, uh, uh, we've been praying about this next year. We want to uh, launch it next year. It's called Love Transforms 2021. Love Transforms. Love has to transform. Amen. It's not the weapons. It's not money. It's not uh, structures that will transform. It's L-O-V-E. Love. Amen. And we have seen how the love of Jesus Christ has transformed, revolutionized, changed, radical faith in those 12 people. 
Love transforms. So that's what we're going to talk about next year. But this year, uh, this is the last Sunday. And because we're Christmas, I want to say uh, we meet this Thursday for Christmas Eve. Invite people. Jesus is truly the reason for this season. Jesus is and has to be the reason why you live. Come on. Yes, I live for my wife. I live for my kids. That's secondary. Number one, I got to live for Jesus. Amen. As I seek him, she will follow God. And the three, I am praying that they will follow God. The children. Faith starts at home. So Jesus is the reason. So I want to encourage you, invite people, bring them along. Let's celebrate. There are a lot of people who are sitting down, grabbing a bottle and a booze and drinking their sorrows down. That's not the answer. Come on. Beer is not the answer. Are you with me? Distraction is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Hallelujah. So what I want to talk about this morning is the first gifts that Jesus received or the three gifts. I want to talk about the three gifts. The three gifts that Jesus received and the symbolism. The Bible has a lot of meaning and symbolism. It's allegorical. It's typology or, or the symbolism of what those three gifts meant for Jesus and what do they mean for you and I today as a child of God. And so we see that these three gifts, the wise men, we hear about these wise men. The wise men uh, saw the star shine and they followed the star and they went to King Herod. And they went to King Herod and uh, they said, where is the king? Where is the king? And Herod got very disturbed with that because there was no king in the palace. And see, the wise men, we think about the wise men. The wise men back in the day, they were, they were sort of, Let's call them as astrologers. They astrology, or they they um, or they not just sorry studied the stars, but they did a bit more than studied the stars. They weren't uh, the the commentary says that they sort of came from Persia. They were Persians, and they were wise people, and um, and 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 they they understood the seasons of the times, and they always looked for more than just the stars and the alignment of stars. They recognized. So when the star was born, they recognized. The king was born because it was prophesied. Now these three wise men, they weren't kings. You know, we sing a song, we three kings. They weren't kings. Just to let you know. They weren't kings. We, we sort of get into this assumption that the kings, they're not kings. They're wise men. And so they went to, went, to, went to Herod. Let's pick it up from verse 3. It's not on your screens, but listen to this. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this and was everyone in Jerusalem. So he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? It's like King Herod called the pastors. He called the prophets. He called the learned people. Isn't it interesting that the learned people did not recognize the star? Isn't that interesting? The learned people, the knowledgeable people that understood the times and the seasons of the prophetic words did not catch the time when the king was born. So can I ask you, don't rest in your knowledge.
Today we need revelation of Jesus Christ. Hello? We so need the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not yesterday's revelation. Today is a new day. Moving on. They said, in Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. They are quoting now Micah chapter, I think in Micah chapter 5, they're quoting this verse. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So they recognized. Then the king gets pretty worried. Then in verse 8, he says, Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. Interesting, he says, Go find the child, not the king. Because Herod is not recognizing Jesus as the king. He's saying, Go find the child, not the king. Interesting. Who is he to you today? Is Jesus a child to you or is he your king to you? Is Jesus still in a manger for you? Or is he your king over your life? Who is he to you? So Herod said, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And, but let's pick it up from verse 11. They go, they find uh, the, the, the star leads them to where Jesus was. Now, Jesus was not a newborn baby. It took some time. I think Jesus was a toddler by then, by the time when they went to the house. So they, give, they go to Jesus in verse 11. It's on the screen, thank you. In verse 11, here we go in Matthew 2, 11, It says, then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What's the significance of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? What, why would they give this? So this is what we want to look at. This is what we want to uh, base our mo this morning's teaching on this. See, the first thing is the gift of gold. There is a spiritual symbolism over these three things. The gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's a symbolism for it. There is a reason for it. See, in the ancient culture, when you visit the royal people, the, the, you go and you offer gifts. And that's what the wise men did. They went, they recognized Jesus as the king, and they went and took gold. So when you visit, so in 1 Kings chapter 10, when Queen of Sheba, she was not a Christian, just to let you know, modernizing it. She wasn't a follower of God. When she went to see King Solomon, she took a lot of gold. A lot of gold. And why? Because that's what you do back in the day. You take gifts, just like Christmas, you give gifts. Thank you for my gifts, M&Ms. Thank you. You know, uh, but uh, you give gifts. And back in the day when that's what they recognized and they gave gifts to, to Jesus. By bringing a gift of gold, the wise men showed that they indeed considered Jesus to be the king. Amen. Not a child, but the king. In Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9 says, before I read it and before you read with me on that, I just want to say the day Jesus was born, he fulfilled, he didn't, he didn't abolish Old Testament. He fulfilled the Old Testament. Are you with me? Amen. 
Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Wow. It was prophesied, and if you are born in a Christian family, if you understand Christian story, Jesus, he rode on a donkey. He fulfilled the promise. He fulfilled the prophetic word. Today we make Christianity to be quite weak, but let me tell you, and Christmas quite weak, but there's a lot of significance. The gift gold was given to honor Jesus. See, king means a ruler. Amen. It's a position of authority. Right? King is a, is a position of authority. The one who rules uh, for life. A king is not appointed by voting. There is no cabinet. A king is not appointed. Uh, uh, he's not a president. At the moment, they're very confused. Uh, but he's not a prime minister. He is the king. And he rules for life. Amen. And if you, want to, if you want him to lead you, he has to become the king of your life. Amen. We are his subjects. We are his subjects. He is the, we sing that song, you're the king of my life. He is, and I want to ask you, is Jesus the king of your life? Is he truly the Lord of your life? He is ruling you and reigning over your life in every area of your life. Is he, that you are no longer in control of your life, but willingly you're obeying every word that he speaks over you. We live in a society that's very individualistic and we need to be aware of that. That yes, we have a kingdom. This is called New Zealand. It's a sovereign, sovereign nation. Yes, we, we, we have a prime minister. We have governance. But even that, we are still part of the, part of the, 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 the English, uh, part of the Commonwealth. That's what I was looking for. And, um, and we serve the queen. But more than we serve the queen, we have a king. And his name is Jesus. He has the ultimate and supreme authority. Jesus' lordship and leadership is his kingship over our life. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is Jesus the king of your life? Something to ponder on. Because he is the king, I submit to his will. All right, let's look to the, 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 the gift of frankincense. So gold, frankincense. Now frankincense, how it resembles to Jesus, symbolizes to Jesus. Frankincense is about purity. And I'll show you that it's an aromatic gum. It's, it's from a, a, a tree that you find in parts of uh, Middle East and Africa. And it is produced by this bark and uh, then you burn it. And when you burn it, it brings this oil. But sorry, when you burn this oil, uh, it brings a sweet aroma. And the inclusion of frankincense as a gift to Jesus is indicating that they understood, the, the wise men understood the deity of Jesus Christ. See, in the Old Testament, especially in the uh, chapter, uh, in the book of Exodus chapter 13, God instructed Moses how to make an anointing oil. 
And in that anointing oil, you know, there's a recipe on how to make, especially in verse 34 and 35. And, uh, and then the anointing oil, and then they said, you've got to put pure frankincense in that. It's got to be pure. And we know who is pure. Jesus is pure. Amen. And there's a parallel in that. And frankincense is also used in the temple. They burn. When they worship God, especially in the tabernacle, when they worship God, frankincense was used because of its sweet fragrance. And we know that Jesus' life and particularly his sacrifice was a sweet fragrance, a pleasant fragrance to the nostrils of God. Frankincense was also used in heal- as a healing properties. And we know that Jesus healed people. So there is symbolism, there's significance in these gifts. When you go to a, to a mall or to a shop, when you look and stand there, what does my pastor like? Hint, hint. Don't. I literally was going, don't buy M&M's. You know, as you wait there for hours, what does he like? Is it a joke? No. <laughs> you know, but, but when you go buy someone a gift, when you go buy your wife a gift, imagine if I go to my, if I go and I buy, I go to $2 shop, everything is $2. And I give my wife a $2 gift. I tell you, she won't be happy. She will be rejoicing. No. But you see, you take time and you think about these gifts. And so frankincense also symbolized not only as a a purity, but also priesthood. It symbolized priesthood. I want you to catch this. You're thinking Christmas Day, why are you going so deep? But it's important for us to understand the nature, the power of God. Frankincense symbolized the priesthood. See, when the priest went into the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, once a year, the priest went in into the Holy of Holies, the outer courts, the inner courts, the most holy of holy place. When he went there, he went there to intercede. He went there to pray. He went there to pray for the sins of Israel. He was a priest. And when you pray, when I pray, you know, the, the Bible says in Psalm chapter uh, 110 and verse 4, it says, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And we can see that, that you know, that uh, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This is talking about God, um, uh, Jesus Christ, because he is a high priest. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 and 20 teaches us this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. Amen. Is Jesus truly your hope today or is he a concept? For a lot of people, Jesus is a concept. He's not a concept, he's hope. I often say hope has a name and it is Amen. If you walk, if you go toilets on there, there are beautiful mirrors. When you walk past, you will see yourself and admire yourself because you're God's creation. And there it says, love has a name and it's Jesus. Amen. So hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. 2020, I hope, I hope that hope 
has been an anchor for your soul. Not guessing game, but confident hope. Hallelujah. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. Amen. Jesus has already gone. He has become our eternal high priest. He is your eternal high priest. He's interceding on your behalf. So when God looks at you, he's not releasing his wrath over you, but he looks at you through the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus is interceding on your behalf. In the order of Melchizedek. In Zechariah 6.13, Jesus is the king and the priest. It says, yes, he will build the temple of the Lord. Then he will receive a royal honor and will rule as what? He will rule as a, as king from his throne. He will also serve as priest from his throne. And there will be perfect harmony between his two roles. Perfect harmony. He is the king and he is the priest. He is reigning and ruling the nations. He is also interceding for you. Why? Because he loves you. I have to say this. My mother, my father, or my wife or my children can never love me the way Jesus loves me. Let me say that again. My mother, my father, my wife or my children can never love me the way Jesus loves me. It, the true meaning of love is J-E-S-U-S. -S. Amen. I don't find that in my wife. She won't find it in me. I disappoint her. She will disappoint me. But I tell you, this pure love, agape, love of God, that is pure. He will never disappoint you. And when I'm basking in the love of Jesus... The love of God that he's teaching me and the love of God that is depositing, me, depositing in me, with that love, I go and love my wife. Have you ever found it's hard to love people? <laughs> I'm thinking of a few people. I'm sure you're thinking of a few people too. It's hard to love people. It's hard to love people. Amen. Amen. But the more we sit in the presence of God, the more, hallelujah, but the more love of God, the more you, it is deposited in you, you love people. Love transforms. Let me tell you, my, my love, my love will destroy my family because it's humanistic love. It's a love with conditions. What you do to me, I do back to you. But the love of God is unconditional. Are you with me? Are you catching this? Okay, we got to move. So, in the Old Testament, the role of the high priest was to be a mediator. He entered into the temple of Holy of Holies once a year to sacrifice, sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And even the mercy seat was covered with gold. And that day was called the day of atonement because he went there to pray for the forgiveness of the nation Israel. 
He went there once every year. But the high priest Jesus did it once and for all for eternity. In the Old Testament, they had to go once a year. But Jesus, the high priest, when he died on the cross, let me tell you, salvation, I say this, salvation is a gift from God. He gave you as a gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to receive it. It purely comes because Jesus loves you and he died on the cross for you. So receive it. Other than the gift of salvation, everything you have to pay for, including buying gifts for your pastor, you got to pay for M&Ms. All right? So, gift of myrrh. So you can see the symbolism that Jesus, that when the, when, the, when the wise men came, they gave him a gift of gold and saying that you are the king. And when they not only brought him gold, gold, when they gave him frankincense, they recognized that you're a high priest. And then there was myrrh. And when they gave him myrrh, and myrrh has a significance too. What was myrrh used for? See, myrrh is a fragrant. It's a, it's a spice. It's used as a fragrant. Again, comes from the uh, Middle East. It comes from uh, uh, up north in India as well. And myrrh is used to mix with oil to again anoint. Not only just anointing, but also embalming those that were dead. And I think it's quite interesting. It was a prophetic gift. It was a prophetic gift. The wise men recognized that he's a king born to die. It's a very strange gift to give when you are born. Imagine if I go to a young mom and give her a gift to her son that resembles, symbolizes death. She won't be happy with me. But that gift, myrrh, was symbolizing that he is not only the king, but he is the king of kings. He is the Messiah. He's going to die. He's going to rise again on the third day, destroy the work of the devil. Amen. So we look at in John chapter 19 and verse 38 to 40. John chapter 19, verse 38 to 40. Afterwards, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought, he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed an, an ointment made from what? Myrrh and aloes, following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spice in long sheets of linen cloth. 75 pounds of perfume. I googled it, it's about 45 kilos. 45 kilos of perfume. And they rubbed Anointing is not just, an, they rub it in. They got to rub it in. They rubbed it, the myrrh was rubbed into the body of Jesus Christ. 
the, 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 the word of God needs to be rubbed into our spirit. Not just tickle our head. Oh, that's new. I never learned that before. Oh, I've heard that before. God is not interested in your opinion on your knowledge. Is the word being rubbed into your spirit. That's where the truth is. Amen. 45 kilos of myrrh was rubbed in. What a prophetic picture. What a prophetic picture. What did we learn? Jesus is the king. Jesus is the high priest. And Jesus is a resurrected savior. Hallelujah. So when you celebrate Christmas, when the, the wise men recognize who Jesus was, I'm asking you today, next Friday, you'll be celebrating Christmas, eating all the fabulous food, hanging out with people you like and those that you don't like, but you put up with, you're going to hang out with them. That's Christmas and family, right? You all have an auntie like me. I have a few aunties. So when you hang out with them, I want to say to you, are you, when you open your eyes on Christmas morning, are you, before you kiss your spouse without brushing teeth, you know, are you kind of going, God, you're my king. You're my high priest. You're my savior. And I honor you today. Jesus, I honor you today. Hallelujah. So that's what it resembled to Jesus. But what does that gift has to do with us? How does these three gifts represent our lives? And I want to say this and I want to close. And as we close, we're going to take communion together. So how do these three gifts, I've been talking about these three gifts, what they meant, signified, symbolized for Jesus. But now in 2020, in 2020, uh, what do they mean to us? See, God speaks, sorry, gold speaks of God and kingship. And, and it also talks about identity. They took gold to the king. They took the gold to the king. It's identity. Gold was given to the king. Now, part of that, you and I, part of the kingship of Jesus Christ. When he looks at you, you lo he looks at you kings and queens because you are his children. Amen. You are his children. But I want to say to you, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't operate with the mindset like a, the poor mindset. You know, I'm here to survive, keep myself happy, get by, get through this life. And I want to say a king leads. A king leads. Amen. So you need to learn to lead yourself. Are you with me? A king leads. A king who doesn't lead is not deserved to be a king. Are you with me? Before I lead this church, you know what I need to do? Not lead my family. I need to learn to lead myself. Are you with me? Husbands, young men, listen. You need to learn to lead yourself before you lead your family. You need to know as a priest how to worship God before you take your family to worship God. Don't sit on your chair with your opinions because that's bad, miserable influence on your family. Why should the wife intercede for you all the time? 
Why should the wife remind you, you're a Christian, you're a Christian, go to church. And you go to church like you're doing her a favor. Oh, it's gone quiet. I'm not telling you off. If you're getting grumpy at me, let me tell you, God is speaking to you. If you're getting grumpy at me, that means there's something in your house that's not right. And the Holy Spirit is convicting you. If you're being condemned, that's the devil. Come out in Jesus' name. You gotta have fun. That's nothing compared to some other sneezes I've heard before. They will shake even Christians. All right. So you're a king. Learn to lead yourself. In your hardship, I said this at the elders meeting the other night. In your hardship, don't lose your leadership. You with me? Life is hard. Yes, it's hard. Who said it's going to be beautiful all the time? But in your hardship, don't lose leadership. You look at historical figures. Nelson Mandela, Churchill, Gandhi, all those guys, they led through hardship. In your hardship, don't lose leadership. Husbands, wives, parents, listen to me. You may have one kid or 20 kids. It's hard. But in your hardship, don't lose leadership. Grandparents, listen to me. Yes, your knees are getting sore, your back is hurting, you're tired, you want to sit and yawn. Read New Zealand Herald, that's good. God didn't create you to get retired. God created you to reflect his glory. I'm ruining your Christmas, aren't I? But you see, God wants you to lead with leadership. Amen. Young man, young woman, if you're working 40 hours, welcome to real world. Welcome to real world. You working for 40 hours, you're not doing your employer a favor. Have you, the new millennials, you know, you, they think they're, they're doing a favor to their employer by working 40 hours. Oh, it's been so tough. Ah, oh, wobbly, wobbly, wobbly. No. In your hardship, don't lose leadership. Jesus never lost his leadership when he was put on the cross. Come on. His body was weak. You agree with me? His body was weak. His Fading in and out, but his spirit was strong. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. Wow. When you're being tortured, how can your spirit be so strong? Anyway, I better keep going. Last service, so bear with me. We are to take off our grave clothes and put on the clothes of resurrection. Amen. Frankincense means purity. 
Gold is identity, frankincense is purity, it's a perfume. The Bible teaches in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, that our bodies have to be a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Our reasonable worship unto God. Our living sacrifice, our bodies. A sweet aroma, fragrance. When the, when the Old Testament, when the fr fr incense was burned, it filled the temple. When Jesus' body was in the tomb, when they were rolled, the tomb was rolled, it wasn't smelly, it was a beautiful aroma. Why? Myrrh was rubbed into him. Amen. What kind of fragrance are you releasing today? What kind of fragrance is coming out of you? When you come in, when, you know, we all want our houses to be clean, smelly, nice smells. And all that, when I walk into your house, it's beautiful smell. It's beautifully arranged. Everything is so amazingly beautifully arranged. Wonderful, great, you know, it's good. But my question is, how is your temple? How is the house of God? How is this house? Is it beautiful just like the house when I walk into your house? Is it smelly or is it be smelling beautiful? Frankincense, our life, our attitude, our character has to smell. You know, we don't want a stinky smell. We want a good smell. So I managed to find... I don't even want to touch it. There's a socks. And I know some people get disgusted by the socks smell. But we know what a sock smells. Hey, Lisa, you want to smell it? <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's a stinky smell. You know, sometimes our attitudes can smell like this too. Are you with me? Our attitudes can smell like this too. Oh, why is she doing that? Who is she? You know. Dad doesn't care. He's a man, right? No. Actually, this is a clean socks. <laughs> but actually, you know, when we, we can either smell like this or we can smell. That's disgusting, but anyway. <laughs> you know? Oh. Smells like um, toilet. Uh, but, but, um, but you get the point what I'm saying. When we are put under pressure, hallelujah. When we are put under pressure, what is the smell that's coming out of you? And the question is, what kind of smell is coming out of me? Am I, as I'm being crushed, is it fragrance to God's nostrils? Hallelujah. And then there's the priestly nature. Priestly nature is unhindered relationship with God. We don't need to be, we don't need a pope. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a prophet. I'm telling you as a pastor, you don't need a pastor. You've got to learn to lead yourself. Yes, you need a pastor, by the way. God established that. But what I'm trying to say is, if you don't know how to pray for yourself, there's something wrong. If you don't know how to stand on the word of God or by yourself, there's something wrong. He is the high priest, but you've got to also take on the priestly nature. In Psalm 142, 141 verse 2, it says, Accept my prayer as an incense offered to you, 
and upraised hands as an evening of offering. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, So then since we have a great high priest, hallelujah, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So when I come into the house of God of my own prayer time, I don't walk with victim mentality. I walk in and I say, God, I am an unclean man, but cleanse me, Lord. Purify me. No man's words can stick to me, only the word of God. Amen. His mercy is on you every morning. So gold represents our identity. Frankincense represents purity and priestly nature. Myrrh represents the fragrance that we got to go. Wherever you go, add life to life. Amen. Toby Mac, speak life. And life can be added as you die. See, I can look after my body. I can look after my mind. Listen to me this. I, God has given me in charge, put me in charge to look after my body. I have to look after it. What I eat, how I sleep, I got to look after my body. I have to look after my mind. But my spirit, I can't look after it. I need God's word to look after my spirit. And I tell you what, it's your spirit that actually gives the Zoe life of God. So we need the spirit of God. So I'm asking if you feel like struggling, go to God and he will help you. Unforgiveness causes death. Unforgiveness causes death. Don't live in unforgiveness. Move on. This is my last verse, and I love this verse. Revelations 19, 11 to 16. When I read this, I, I was like, whoo, this is our God. Wow. It says, then I saw heaven open, John, and a white horse was standing there. Jesus is not coming back as a baby again. Amen. He's not going to come back as a baby He's going to come back as a king. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped with his blood. Hallelujah. What saves us today is the blood of Jesus. And his title was the word of God. Cool, eh? It's like, ooh, I want to do haka. And it's like, ooh. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. 
He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from, the, from a wine press, on his robe, at his thigh was written this title. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Oh, I pray that excites your spirit. He's like you just been bought a Ferrari. Oh, that's Jesus Christ. He's going to come back as a king of kings and the Lord of lords. Not a baby anymore. He's going to come back. And you and I have to give an account to Jesus Christ. We have a mission. He is for you, church. Amen. He is for you. He's not against you. He loves you more than you can love yourself. He thinks the very best for you. But maybe you're in the season of being rubbed. Maybe you're being in the season of being rubbed. It's been a tough year. It's been a tough year for you. Oh, but the fragrance. It's been a hard year for you. But the anointing has been dropped upon you. Why? Because he knows that you are to live for his glory. Don't hide away, but rise up. Not in your strength, but in his strength. So as we partake in communion today, I want you to think about Jesus not as a baby. I want you to think about Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And before this king, I bow myself. Think of him as the high priest and think of him as a resurrected child of God. Hallelujah.